It's been quite some time now we've been endeavoring to work our way verse by verse through the book of Romans. And today we find ourselves starting chapter 4. So, And everything up till now in those first three chapters, it just keeps building, it just keeps building. And, you know, Paul has a mission of where he's going with all this. And and so today, but let's see what uh, the Lord has to say through the Apostle Paul to even us today. Romans 4, we're going to read the first eight verses. I'll be reading from the New King James this morning. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works... The wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Let's pray. So Heavenly Father, even now, as we come to your word, I pray that that you would help us, that you would help me. Lord, guard my heart, guard my tongue. And Lord, help us all to have ears to hear. So Lord, by the truth of your word and by the power of the Holy Spirit, enlighten us. Help us to know more of you, to know more of this justification, to know more of of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, teach us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Even though we have entered into a new chapter, Paul continues with the same subject. It's uh, because when Paul wrote the letter, he didn't put chapter marks. He was was just writing the letter. And then the subject that he is continuing is justification by faith alone, not of works. This was a difficult thing for the Jews, um, even those who, ha- who have received Christ, you know, you know, we still have baggage, don't we? We still have things in our past that we've got to, by the help of the Lord, work through. And so they were having trouble coming to grips with this message that the Apostle Paul was giving them, but because they had been taught all their lives to be law keepers. They were taught that it was their works by which they gained and earned justification before God. But Paul has been laying that groundwork of saying that this salvation which he has been writing about, this justification by faith and not of works, is not something new. 
And that's what he's going to hit them with in this portion of the letter. This is not a new doctrine, but has been clearly expressed by the Old Testament Scripture, by the Law and the Prophets. Now, I want us to go back to the opening of Paul's letter, uh, chapter 1, first four verses. Paul has been setting this up rather, rather quietly, knowing he's going to get to what he's going to talk about today. First four verses. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. So he gets right to the point of who he is and what he's about. Which he, which God promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. (laughs) There's a lot in those first four verses, is there not? But he clearly lays it down. Separated to the gospel of God, which he, which God, promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scripture. This is not something new. Then, from what we read last Sunday, uh, let's look in Romans 3. Let's read verses 19 through 24. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under law, under the law, that every mouth may be stopped. And all the world may become guilty before God. Now, let me pause there for a moment. That, now he's been hitting that hard, hadn't he? All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. There's no partiality with God. Jew or Gentile, apart from saving grace, all lost and under the wrath of God. Verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. And we've talked about that over and over again. Apostle Paul, how would I have known sin? How would I have known covetousness had the law not taught me? So by the law is the knowledge of sin. Thou shalt not steal. All these things, the knowledge of sin. Verse 21. But now... The righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. How is it revealed? How is it made manifest? Well, in Christ. In Christ. Manifest on the earth. Coming to the earth. But but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by what? The law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This Jesus that the law and the prophets had been talking about all through the Old Testament. And then chapter 3 closed with this. Verse 31. Do we then make void the law through faith? And with an exclamation mark, certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. You see, this way of salvation, this justification by faith, had been witnessed 
by the law and the prophet all through the Old Testament. This is not making void the law, but Paul is establishing the law by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ of whom the prophets had already spoken. What did Jesus say of Himself and His mission in coming to the earth? What did He say about the law? In Matthew 5, verse 17, this is what Christ Himself said. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to what? Fulfill. See, all of the Old Testament, all that they had talked about in the Old Testament comes to fulfillment in Christ Jesus. And I believe Paul's purpose in Romans 4 is to show that justification by faith has always been God's way of dealing with men and saving them. Always. Wait a minute, preacher. Even in the Old Testament? Yes. Yes. There's not multiple ways to be saved, is there? There's not multiple ways to God the Father. There is one. And it's always been Jesus Christ. From the beginning of time, it has always been through faith in Jesus Christ. Now for those in the Old Testament, it was a faith in believing that which was to come. That, that's, that's what the prophets were there for. Is in believing that which was to come. Faith in the coming Messiah which was prophesied of for us today. It is by grace through faith and believing what Christ has done. We have record of Him coming and of what He has done. Christ manifest on the earth. He physically came to the earth He created to accomplish the work of the Father by giving Himself as a propitiation, as a payment for sin for all who believe His Gospel. For all who believe His Gospel. The Old Testament prophesied of it. The New Testament bears witness of it. Can I say it that way? The Old Testament prophesied of it, but the New Testament bears witness of it, of Christ, and, and of all that the Old Testament said. Don't the, the New Testament is great, but don't get stuck there. If you've not gotten into the Old Testament, I, I got to admit, I stay more in the New Testament than probably most of us do. But all we need, the Old Testament, that, that tells us of all of what, who Christ is and of all of what had been spoken of beforehand of Him. So the Old Testament prophesied of it, but many misunderstood the message of the Old Testament. And because of this misunderstanding... They were rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were rejecting the message of Paul, this justification by faith. Now, Paul, he talks about this. When you read his epistles, his letters, he talks about this over and over and over again. In 2 Corinthians 3, let's turn there. 2 Corinthians 3, here Paul talks about this veil that is before their hearts, that this spiritual blindness of, of the, the Jews here at this time. This is in 2 Corinthians 3rd chapter. Let's read verse 14 through 18. 
but their minds were blinded. Let me pause. Child of God, that was us. And perhaps maybe some of you that is still you, but you don't fully understand it. You know, that, that's, that lyric from the song Amazing Grace was blind. Oh, but now I see. But now I see. So all of us were here. All of us were in this place at one time. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. They weren't understanding all of the prophecy of, of Jesus Christ. They weren't understanding. Verse 15, but even to this day, now this was written some 2,000 years ago, but I could say the same thing today to the practicing Jew, couldn't we? But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, See, here's, here's the good news. See, here's the good news. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. See, for, for all of us who are born again, that happened. At some point, that happened. We did not see. We did not hear. Oh, yes, with physical eyes and ears, we did. But the truth, we did not. We suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. Paul talked about that there in chapter 1 in Romans. That was us. That was all of us one day suppressing the truth in unrighteousness, but one day the veil is lifted. Did we do it? No. God did it. One day the veil was lifted. One day the scales, uh, it talks about that in Scripture, the scales fell off and we could see the truth. We could hear the truth. And and, and memories of the truth of God's Word perhaps come flooding in. Born of the Spirit, now I can see all of the treasure You've given to me. St hope for tomorrow, strength for the today, a hand that will guide me every step of the way. When the veil is lifted. Oh, that, that's... That verse 16 is glorious. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is lifted. 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Let me pause again. See, Paul talked about that. That was the problem of the unbelieving Jew. No Spirit. No Spirit. That was their problem. No Spirit. Now the Lord is Spirit. And listen to this. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, this... If if you have unveiled face, who is that? That's that's the born again. That's those who are in Christ. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. See, for the child of God, are we perfect? Am I perfect? No. And I'll answer for you, you're not either. We're not. Brother Sky talked about we, we we deal with trials, we deal with temptations. You know, I I would have thought at this stage in my life I would be a spiritual giant. 
but I'm not. You see, I faced trials. I faced temptations. But praise the Lord, I am being transformed. I am not who I used to be. Even as a child of God, I am not the same as I was 30, 20, 10, a year ago. The Lord keeps bringing me along. along, And if you're born again, He does you too. And we're growing and we're being transformed. So Paul is here and he's telling of this justification by faith, not of works. Not of works. And he continues this uh, in Romans, now that we're in the fourth chapter. And, and Paul does it by using two of the most important people who ever appeared in the long history of the Jews. Who was it he used? Abraham and David. Abraham and David. Abraham, the Jewish patriarch. He's the father of the nation. And David, perhaps in the Jews' thinking, their greatest king ever. The man after God's own heart, the one that God gave the promise that the Messiah would come from his lineage. But also keep in mind this. This is two men that the Jews boasted in. Oh, but we've got Abraham. We've got David. We don't need your justification by faith, you see. I also want to point this out. Uh, this, this is the same two men that Matthew, in his opening of the genealogy of Jesus, that Matthew uses. Put that verse 1 up, Matthew 1. I just thought that was interesting. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham, and then there goes the lineage. See, Matthew knew how to get their attention too, didn't he? Hey, you bring up the two big guys. You mentioned the two big guys. Men of great importance. So, so at this point, you know, Paul's a lot of words, a lot of words, a lot of words, but now, but now Paul is putting flesh and bone in the story. You see that? Now he's putting people in here that they know and that they treasure. Romans 4, verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh. In other words, what did Abraham gain or attain according to the flesh? So what, what is it talking about flesh? What is flesh? Well, simply put, it would mean that gained or attained by human effort or works. So here, the, the flesh, that which is attained or gained by human effort or works as opposed to that which is spiritual, that which is given by God. And we read last week of Paul's great exposition of this very thing from Philippians, the third chapter. We're not going to read all of it, but I do want to read just a couple of those verses today. Verse 4, For we are the circumcision. Now, I'm going to pause there. Now, what circumcision is is Paul referring to here? Is this that physical circumcision that that also the Jews boasted of? No, no, it wasn't that physical circumcision. This is the circumcision of the heart that is done by God. Uh, in, in Rome, let's go ahead and look in Romans 2 for just a moment. 
Romans 2, verses 28 and 29. Then we'll come back to this in verse 3. Paul said this. This was in chapter 2, as Paul is setting all this up. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. That's talking about who is a true Jew. And he's going to get into that more as we keep going in Romans when we get to uh, chapters uh, what, 9, 10, 11 of who a true Jew is. Well, he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, meaning of the flesh, meaning physical circumcision, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. So, so you see, not of the flesh, not of the physical, but the, the, the external, but rather the spiritual, the inner man, the circumcision of the heart. Let's go back to that verse 3. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. So, so we know Paul here is talking about those who have been circumcised of heart, wrought by God. And what's he say? Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. And we know of everything that Paul said, we know what he's talking about. Not of works. Not of works. No confidence in the flesh. And then when you read that, that's where Paul uh, gives his credentials. He, that pedigree of, of who Paul once was in the flesh. And then he gives this great word, uh, uh, verse 7 through 9. Let's do read that. But what things were gained to me, all those things that he had just mentioned, you, you can go back and read it yourself later, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet, indeed, I, can, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Why? Why would he do that? that I may gain Christ <laughs> and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. See there. He's, I, don't, I haven't looked, but I would venture every letter he's going to mention something in regard to here. That I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, and none of us do. Oh, well, if you want to count self-righteousness, yeah, go ahead and count it. But what is that before God? Filthy rags. That's all it is. It is nothing. It is nothing. But I have that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. By faith. No confidence in the flesh, no boasting of any works or accomplishments, all counted as loss to gain Christ. No boasting. No boasting. The Jews were good at boasting. But, but oh, we, we have our heritage. We were chosen by God Himself. We have Father Abraham. We have David. We, we have been given the oracles of God. It is to us that God gave the oracles. It is to us was given the outward sign of circumcision as a covenant people. That's us. 
Paul, we don't need your justification by faith. And you may think, okay, that's the Jews. Well, let me tell you this, there are many today who are counting on externals to get them to heaven. Many. Many. Trusting that their baptism, maybe it's an infant baptism, they got their little certificate, and they're banking on that thing. I've shared the story of when I was working down at Glover, of, of a guy, you know, I, I try and talk to him about the Lord. I, I, I went through confirmation. I, I got my certificate. I could bring it and show it to you if you want. And just living like the devil. What gets that little piece of paper? It's nothing. It's nothing. Well, I, I, I've gone to church my whole life. Well, good. But what's that mean? You are exposed, hopefully, to truth. But that does that mean that it's here, that it's inside? No, no. See, and, and, and other, there's a lot of people that are that are banking on this. I invited Jesus into my heart. How many times have I heard that? And and I asked them the question: How do you know He came in? See, and a lot of times that happened as a as a group of seven year olds at a huge Bible school or something like that in a herd in response to the question, Don't you want to go to heaven? Or don't you want to go to heaven? Some well meaning person, don't you want to go? Who's going to say no to that? Ain't nobody going to say no to that. Don't you want to go to heaven? Oh, yeah. All you got to do is invite Jesus into your heart. Just go ahead. Go ahead. Say, say a little prayer. Jesus, I invite you in my heart. Okay, well, Jesus, I come in my heart. All right, you're saved. That happens. It's happening somewhere this morning right now in a service somewhere. I'll guarantee it. Is that is that salvation? Salvation is a brokenness over sin. Salvation is, is coming to the realization I'm an, I'm a sinner in the hands of an angry God who hates sin. And that I need a rescue. And then the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus the rescue. Who came and died on the cross to pay our penalty. Because what's the penalty for death? Or the penalty for sin? Death. Death. The wages of sin, the cost of sin, is death. And Jesus came. Our propitiation took our place. For all who believe, sins covered. And that He's the one who grants faith. Faith to believe. It's Him. We have nothing to boast in. Nothing whatsoever. Paul, Paul talked about that there in Romans 3. If we could read 3 verses 27 and 28. In regard to everything I just talked about, I'll just say this. 
None of any of that means anything apart from the Holy Spirit. Now, now don't walk out of here and say, well, Pastor said seven-year-olds can't get saved. That is not what I said. Can a seven-year-old come to faith in Christ? Yes. Yes. But it's not by persuasive words. It's by the work of the Spirit and the truth of God's Word. So, so in boasting, what did Paul say in, in Romans 3, verse 27, 28? He said, Where is the boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. No one can rightly boast in the flesh. And, and in the midst of that, I can almost hear someone in the crowd going, well, what about Abraham? I, I, I can hear it. Well, what about Abraham? You see, Abraham had been known for his good works, for his obedience, especially in the willingness to give up his son Isaac. And many rabbis of this day were teaching that Abraham was justified by works. That's what they were teaching. And so people were growing up hearing this. What was being taught. And and I believe this is why Paul keeps bringing this up. And and then Paul continues verse 2 now in Romans 4, verse 2. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. You see, Paul had already made the claim, all boasting of the flesh is excluded. If Abraham was justified by works, and he wasn't, then he would have something of himself that he could boast in. And now in verse 3, Paul appeals to Scripture to support what he's saying. I love this. I love this. I love this next verse. Because if what we say in regard to spiritual things cannot be backed up with Scripture, we need to keep our mouths shut. If what I say I cannot back up with Scripture, I need to sit down. And the same for you in trying to witness or to try to talk to somebody about the Lord. If you're just winging it off and just making up stuff. So verse 3, look what it says. In response to any objection that may have come Paul's way, what did he say? For what does Scripture say? Then there you go. And throughout the years, when I've had people come to me with objections to something I've said or some truth or doctrine that I'm standing on that, that they want no part of, well, here, 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 let, let's go. Let's go. And what does the Bible say? And I've had many, many, many. Oh, oh, well, you, you can twist it and make it say whatever you want to. You know, I'm not I'm not a biblical scholar. And then you can get in there, well, do you read it? Do you read it? Uh, and again, I mentioned this Friday night. I love Alistair Begg, and one of the things that he says over and over, you're intelligent people, read your Bible. Read your Bible. If you don't believe me, read your Bible, be the Berean, and check out to see if what I say matches what it says here. 
So I love that. For what does the Scripture say? And here's what Scripture said. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. This is Genesis. Chapter 15, verse 6. And he, this is Abram, at the time he was known as Abram, he would later have his name changed to Abraham. And he, Abram, believed in the Lord, and he, God, accounted to him, Abraham, for righteousness. He accounted it to him for righteousness. And he, Abram, believed in the Lord, and he, God, accounted it to him, Abram, for righteousness. Abraham believed God. He trusted God and God's Word. And the promises that God had for him, and some of those promises that God gave Abraham was pretty hard to believe, weren't they? But he believed. And he trusted. Paul talks about this over and over in his letters, doesn't he? Well, let's go to Galatians. Galatians 3, verses 5-9. through 9. Don't, don't think that this is just some singular thing out there. Paul continues to come to this and back this up and back this up. Galatians 3, verses 5-9. through 9. Therefore, He, God, He, who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does He do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith or hearing with faith. Verse 6, Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are, who are of faith are sons of Abraham. We pause there. There, there were many. Just because they were of Jewish heritage, all were children of Abraham. No, you're not. Apart from faith, no, you're not. Just your nationality. You know, there are some people, you know, America is supposed to be a Christian nation. Well, I live in America. Of course I'm a Christian. No. No, no that, that's, that's not the evidence that we are a child of God, that we're a Christian. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the Scripture... Now, now listen to this. Everybody listen. Everybody listen. And the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith... Listen, listen. Preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. Remember what I said earlier? How are we all saved? Anybody in heavens are all going to be there from Old Testament to New Testament one way. And it's Jesus. I don't know how this happened. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, bearing testimony and witness of what was to come, preached the gospel to Abraham, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Isn't that great? Believing Abraham. See, Abraham had a hearing of faith, didn't he? He had a hearing of faith. Not of himself, not of himself, but the Spirit of God upon him. 
Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him. It was imputed to him. It was reckoned to him. If you're there in Romans, three times those words, and it's all the same exact Greek word. It's just they put you know, reckon or imputed. It's all the same word. Granted, not by what was owed or deserved, but by God. By faith. Justified by faith. Let's, let's go to the faith chapter. Where am I going? Hebrews 11. Let's go. Hebrews 11. Much of this well-known chapter of faith is talking about Abraham. Let's read verses 8 through 19. I know this is a big chunk, but read along. Uh, This tells the story. This tells it. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. So you can go back in the Old Testament you can read of all this. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, let me pause. You know the story. They were old. What, Abraham was was at 99? And Sarah was old, but beyond the years of childbearing. It was a miracle of God, a miracle of God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. She believed God. She believed God too. You see that? What God has promised, she believed. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, this is that's Abraham, he was old, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, in, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. See, it came to pass what the Lord told Abram, didn't it? This will be your descendants. Now let's keep going. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. A vision, a a word from God, those who believed, you see, of what was coming, of the promise, the promise. To them it was afar off. But having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. <laughs> Child of God, we're seeking a homeland too, aren't we? It's not anywhere on this earth. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to call to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. By faith, when He, when He, Abraham, when He was tested, 
offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding, how, how could Abraham do this? This was the promised one. This is the one that was given in Sarah in his old age. But God said, take him and offer him as a sacrifice. And he took him. You know the story. And as he drew back the knife, ready to complete that, God supplied a sacrifice. Why was, why was Abraham willing and able he trusted God and believed God. Now listen to this. Concluding that God was able to raise him, to raise Isaac from the dead, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. See, his body was dead. That's what he's saying. He was so old, his body was dead. And so he, he raised Isaac from that. And he trusted that even if I'd sacrifice Isaac, God is faithful. He has promised this boy to me and he will physically raise him from the dead. Isn't that that glorious? That's the faith of Abraham. Do do we have such faith? Even Abraham believed in the power of the resurrection, didn't he? (laughs) Uh, Romans 4, verse 3. Let's go back. For what does the Scripture say Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And then immediately Paul brings it back to his theme, not faith, uh, by faith, not works. Um, verses 4 and 5 now, Romans 4. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Now, did you get that? Or did you just go, what? I got a feeling some of you went, what? Here, now listen. If salvation, if justification was of works, then God would owe you something. You see that? It would be a debt. Not your debt, but a debt to God. You understand? If your justification was wrought by your works, God would be in debt to you. God would owe you the wage for your works. See, that's what it says. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Not debt to the one who did the work, but to God. God would be indebted to you. That that sounds so wrong with me even saying that. But but listen, but but listen, but but that's the false, damning doctrine of many false religion in, in the world today. It is. Many, 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 the basis of their religion is works. They're doing their works, and God is obligated to grant them entrance into their perceived nirvana. God is duty-bound to give them all the blessings that they had worked for. See, that's that's suicide bomber. Oh, this is for God. And and I do this and give myself, oh, I will be in nirvana. I'll be in in this magical spiritual place with all these concubines, all these all around me to serve me. Boom. 
and then to find themselves standing in front of the one true living God. Can you imagine that? God is God. He, he owes us nothing. We are not in a position to, to demand anything of God. Ever. We deserve hell. That's what we deserved. But by grace, through faith, He gives us heaven. He gives us glory. For all who by faith believed. That, that, that verse 5 but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. You got that one now, right? Oh yeah, we while we're here on earth, we work. We fight the good fight of faith. We do all those things. But our salvation, our justification is not earned by our works. It's by grace through faith. All that God justifies the ungodly. And does that grip you? See, it should. It should. But how could that be? How, how, how can that be? How can a just and righteous judge justify the ungodly? Wouldn't that make him a an unrighteous, unjust judge? To just the ungodly, you're justified. Here's how. You already know how. We've talked about this many times. Here's how. And Paul, he's going to get to it in the next chapter. We're going to go ahead and read a little bit of it in Romans 5, verses 6 through 9. For when we were still without strength, in due time, God Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, you see, while we were still ungodly, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. You hear that expression, are you saved? Well, saved from what? I've had that asked. Say, well, saved from what? Well, here, let, let's get into that a little bit. It's going to take me a while to explain this. Saved from wrath. But to him who does not work for your justification, but believes on him for your justification, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted, is reckoned, is imputed for righteousness. So I don't know about you, but even when I'm when, yeah, our faith, my faith, you understand because we we talked about it a lot here. It's not really mine. It's not real yours. We're going to read it again, Ephesians two, verses eight and nine. You ought, boy, you ought to know where this is at. We read this so often. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. The grace of God, amazing grace. And that, not of yourselves. We didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it, we didn't do anything for it, not of ourselves. 
That faith is not something I conjured up, but it is what? It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Where's the boasting then? It's excluded. How many different letters of Paul have we read today? Same message, isn't it? Over and over and over and over. It's not of works. Not of works. You know, we just read that in Romans 5 that Christ died for the ungodly, that God demonstrated this great love toward us, and that while we were sinners, while we were yet ungodly, Christ died for us. Let's go to another letter of Paul. Let's go to Titus. I read this very often as well, but in Titus 3, verses 5 through 7. 4 through 7. I'm sorry. 4 through 7. You got it. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, there it is again, but according to His mercy He saved us. How? Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through who? Jesus Christ our Savior. That having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Justified by grace through faith. Faith is accounted for righteousness. Christ died for the ungodly. It always comes down to the gospel of Jesus Christ, does it not? comes down to the man dying on a cross. See, we need righteousness to be acceptable before Almighty God, and we don't have it. What we have is sin. You see? God has what we need, and we don't deserve it, righteousness. But again, what we have is what God hates and rejects, sin. So what is the answer? Who is the answer? Jesus Christ. There's the answer. There's the bridge. The bridge to cross the great divide of sin that separates us from God. Jesus died for the ungodly. The Son of God died in our place. God lays our sins on Christ, and Christ takes the punishment for sin. The cost of sin, the wages of sin is what? Remember, death. Jesus dies on the cross to pay in full the payment for sin for everyone who by grace through faith believes. See, in Christ's obedient death, God's holiness is vindicated. It's upheld. How can a holy God justify the ungodly? Because there was a substitute which was allowed. See, the Jews knew that. They knew that when they'd come to Passover. They would, they would slaughter the lambs, the animal sacrifices. They would come before the priest and lay their hands on the head of the animal, transferring their sin to the animal. Then the animal was put to death. 
They, they knew about substitution. But they couldn't connect the dots, so many of them, that all of that was a picture of what was to come in Christ Jesus. You see? Our sin on Jesus, His righteousness reckoned, imputed, given, granted to me, to you, born-again believer. And I've heard this called the great exchange. And I, I think that that's a good way to put it. I don't know if that was Piper. Sounds like a Piper thing. Romans 4, verses 6 through 8. We're, we're, I'm going to close this out here the next half hour, hour or so. <laughs> now here Paul is quoting from Psalms 32. What saith the Scripture? Here he goes again. What does Scripture say? Verse 6. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Child of God, where has your sin been imputed to who? Jesus, the great exchange, the, the imputation of our sin to Christ and God's righteousness to us who believe, justified by grace through faith. Let's, let's read that in Psalms 32, first two verses. Psalms 32, verse 1 and 2. This is where Paul went. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. See, for those who by grace through faith are in Christ Jesus, we are blessed beyond measure. Mike, I always enjoy it when I ask you how you doing. Blessed. Blessed. As children of God, that's us. Blessed beyond measure because of what Christ has done. Blessed to know that our sins, our transgressions have been forgiven, that our sins have been covered, paid for by the blood of Christ upon the cross. We are blessed and we owe it all to Jesus. All to Him. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but He washed it white as snow. That's what He did, didn't it? Let's sing it again. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, He washed it white as snow. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing grace right there. 
the, the last two verses, or, or verses 10 and 11, verse 10 and 11 in Psalms 32. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. Because the wrath of God even now abides on them. You see. Because they have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. The veil still covers their eyes. They cannot see. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Isn't that a great thought? Mercy. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous. And shout for joy, all you upright of heart. Child of God, do we have reason to shout for joy? We didn't we didn't sing that this morning. Maybe we'll sing it a little bit later. Shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph because of what Christ has done. Saved by grace through faith in believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to close out with these verses just 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 that uh, talks about the oh, what what well, I don't know do I how can I be saved John 3 John 3 14 through 19 And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up lifted up on the cross that whoever believes in him believes in Jesus Christ should not perish but have what? Eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned But he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Why the condemnation? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That the light has come unto the world. Jesus Christ, the light of the world. He has come. And men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Don't come to the light. I get convicted. Romans 10. See, this is where Paul is going. 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You have to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? It says so right there, doesn't it? You can't be saved without believing in the resurrection. Where, where would your hope be? If Christ is still dead and in the grave, what's the point? Paul said, if Christ is not risen, we are of all men most pitiable because we're believing in something that's not true. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And we know saved from what? Saved from the wrath of God that will one day fall upon all unbelievers. Verse 10, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. 
For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Paul continues with that, doesn't he? There's no distinction. No distinction between there's there's not a way of salvation for the Jew and a different way of salvation. No, there's no distinction. There's no partiality. There's one way. There's one way, and it's Jesus. Gospel of Christ. Paul talked about it starting out about the middle of that first chapter, verse 16 and 17. Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, in the gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as as it is written, the just shall live by faith. That's Paul's message, and he keeps preaching that message by faith. For those who believe the message of the cross, it becomes for them the power of God to salvation. But what about those who don't believe? John 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on Him. See, apart from a touch from the Lord, an unbeliever read that, and it does not affect them whatsoever. The message of the cross is foolishness to them. It's a bunch of malarkey. It's a bunch of hokum. There's nothing to that. It's a fairy tale until God opens their eyes. And it becomes truth. And so for the question, perhaps, is is the Lord opening eyes? Hmm. Wrath for the unbeliever, but blood-bought mercy for the believer. Let's read that Romans 5, verse 8 and 9. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Isn't that a glorious thought? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for Your Word. And I pray, Lord, I pray for every believer that this would just Encourage us to know the love that that You have shown to us in giving Christ. That that our sins are covered, imputed to Christ. Past, present, future sins imputed to Christ. And, And even as I say that, the words of Paul where he was talking to people, well, does that mean, well, I can sin so that grace can abound? No! It's not a license to sin. But by grace through faith, our desire is to live a life of obedience to You. And should we stumble into sin, we know that You are faithful and true. If we confess our sins, You will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
Lord, we know that we are, having been justified by faith, we are forever in Your hand and nothing can separate us from You. But Lord, while walking on this earth, we have our ups and downs. But I'm so thankful that You are faithful. That You'll not leave us out there. That You will always come for us. And in whatever means You deem necessary, You will bring us back to the fold. So Father, help us all to know You. And Lord, if should there be an unbeliever that is listening to this Word, I pray that by Your great power that You would perform a miracle of mercy. That You would make real to them by the power of Your Spirit and by the truth of Your Word, the Gospel of Jesus Christ. That You would raise the veil that has kept them from seeing Your glory, Your holiness, and their sin. And Lord, upon seeing You and their sin revealed, Father, grant them repentance. Grant them faith to believe and to turn from their sin and to follow You. So Lord, draw us all close to You. Help us that we may walk on this earth a stranger knowing that we have a homeland far from here. Help us to tell others about the saving grace of Jesus Christ that is not of works, but it's of faith, by grace through faith. So help us, Lord, I pray. We need You. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.